Sweet. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, prayer and thanksgiving in the life of a disciple. We'll be going through uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, at least the first half of it, which I went through with uh, my college kids uh, last semester. I know they aren't kids, but, you know, uh, I went through that with them last semester. Um, took me the whole semester, and what I actually am going to talk about today took me about three hours uh, to go over with them, so hopefully I can get through it in a timely manner today. <laughs> so, um, sweet, let's go ahead and uh, read the scripture. On uh, the Bible on the pew in front of you, it can be found on page 1168, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 1168 in that uh, pew, or I believe the slides are back up, so you can just uh, use the slides up there as well. So, um, Let's go ahead and stand in the honor of uh, reading God's word this morning. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so, uh, just a little bit of background on the book of Colossians. Um, this is a letter that Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, which at this time would have been kind of a small little church in the Lycus Valley. It would have been one of about three churches in that valley. Um, and it was kind of the smallest. Some scholars believe it's kind of the most insignificant city that uh, any letter in the New Testament was, was actually written to. Um, it was probably not founded by Paul, and there are several indicators of that kind of throughout the uh, letter. Um, but it was probably founded during his ministry in Ephesus. And Epaphras, uh, who we kind of read about in this passage, seems to have been their pastor or at least a significant leader in their church. Um, so just a little bit of background on it. Uh, why was Paul writing this letter? Um, well, basically it was because there were some heretical views going around the church uh, that were kind of a mishmash of different beliefs at the time. Um, and these views seemed to ultimately kind of uh, be centered around the idea that Christ wasn't enough for their faith, that there was some... Thing you had to add to Christ. It wasn't just Christ alone, it was Christ plus something, which is still a big struggle today. That's something you see at a lot of churches where it's like Christ plus this, not just Christ alone. Um, 
And Brother Logan actually preached on the sister letter to this uh, quite, uh, I don't remember exactly how long ago, a month ago or so, uh, or was it last semester? I can't remember. Uh, he preached on the sister letter to this uh, uh, in the book of Philemon. Um, so it's kind of cool that I get to kind of riff off some of that. Um, but when I taught through this uh, letter last semester, I noticed a few different things uh, that were really important and that kind of came up uh, throughout the letter. One of the big things was Thanksgiving. Like Thanksgiving is mentioned several times throughout the letter. Um, and we'll be talking about that today, which is why it's part of the title of the sermon. Um, another big thing that was part of the letter was the importance of teaching and good teaching in the church. And that is something that I'm really grateful for here at Calvary, that we do have a really good set of teachers that can come up and preach and teach us, um, especially Brother Randy. He does a fantastic job. Amen. Um, and then the last big thing, uh, and again, this, these all will kind of pop up in today's passage, which is why I'm bringing it up, was the primacy or the supremacy of Christ and the gospel and everything. So like, basically, like the gospel and Christ should come first and everything, and so that is one of the big themes in the letter. Um, but let's kind of get into the letter with background and uh, what I kind of noticed last semester as I was teaching through it out of the way. Um, so most of Paul's letters kind of open like what we read uh, in today's passage. They kind of, most of Paul's letters start off with him thanking God for the people he's praying for and then telling them how he's praying for them, which is kind of what he's doing here. There are a few notable exceptions, uh, Galatians, um, <laughs> where Paul's not quite, uh, he's a little more upset with them. But most of the letters, he, he starts off this way where he's thanking God and praising, uh, praying for them. And so something I just kind of want to start off with before I jump into kind of really dissecting the, the passage um, are different types of prayer. And so I don't remember exactly where I first heard this acronym. Uh, it must have been like quite some time ago because I, I just can't remember who I first heard this from. But like four big types of prayers that, you, that should be part of the Christian life uh, on a regular basis, part of our regular prayer life, are what are sometimes abbreviated as ACTS, so A-C-T-S. Um, so you've got adoration or praise, where you are just ultimately uh, expressing praise or admiration to God for who he is um, and his character. Uh, you've got confession, where you are, well, coming before God, confessing sins to him and turning back to him in repentance. Um, I almost... Uh, centered my sermon today on that topic, actually. But we're going to mainly focus on the last two, thanksgiving and supplication. So thanksgiving uh, is a little different from adoration or praise, where you are expressing gratitude for what God is doing or what he has done in your life or in, in the life of the church. Again, praise is what, who he is. Thanksgiving is what he has done. And then supplication or intercession. Well, we just did that uh, a few minutes ago with uh, Brother Stefan leading us. Uh, that's where we are praying for each other, uh, asking God to uh, work in our lives. Um, and there are other types of prayers that you see in Scripture, you know, prayers of lament, prayers against evil, but these are four, I think, are really important to have in the regular diet of the Christian life. And so, like I said, we're going to really kind of be hitting home on those last two today. So let's kind of start off with the Thanksgiving stuff and uh, look kind of at 
uh, verses three and four. So um, where Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So let's just kind of pick up with there. One thing that I noticed as I was kind of prepping for this is the word thank. I actually didn't know this. Uh, the word thank that uh, Paul is using there is rooted in the word uh, eucharistos, uh, which is where we get the term Eucharist from, which Eucharist is another fancy word of saying uh, communion or the Lord's Supper. And so I actually didn't know that Thanksgiving was kind of the root of the term uh, for the Eucharist, for the Lord's Supper. Um, And basically it means um, thankful for God's good grace. It's kind of the overtones that I was able to kind of glean from the uh, Greek word there. And so something to just kind of kick off is Paul says, in our prayers for you, we always thank God. When we pray for you, uh, we always thank God. And I think that's really, at least whenever I was kind of first learning how to pray, learning about my Christian walk, I thought that was really interesting that um, Paul always thanks God when he prays for people. It's not just like he's praying for them like, hey, I'm praying for you, know, you to get better from your illness or praying for you to deal with your loneliness or praying for you to um, grow in Christ, but it's always thanking God first. Um, and that always that consistency, that constancy in prayer is, I don't know, I found it convicting because like for a long time I didn't, whenever I would pray for someone, I wouldn't be like necessarily thanking God for what he was doing in their life. It was just like, hey, they're struggling with this can you help them with it? Not necessarily thanking God. And so I think that is a, I just kind of want to point that out. Like when Paul is praying for these Christians, and as I said at the beginning, Paul didn't found this church. He doesn't really know these Christians at all. He, he's not familiar with them at all, yet he is still thanking God for what God is doing in their lives. And that's kind of how he's kicking off this prayer here is it's like, we always thank God. And so just kind of want to start off by hitting that home. Kind of the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that he's thanking God and not thanking them because he's like, I thank God for um, your faith, for your love, and uh, ultimately because of the hope that you are experiencing, um, which you can kind of see up there. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, and it's not just being thankful or it's not just thanking them. It's not like, hey, I thank you for the way that you love all the saints. I thank you for the way that you have faith in Christ Jesus. I'm thanking God for the way that you have faith in Jesus. I'm thanking God for the love that you have for all the saints. Um, so, you know, turning it back to him and not praising the Christians themselves for what's going on. They're, he's praising God, thanking God for what is happening in these Christians' lives. It's not like, hey, way to love people, like, good thumbs up, like, I wanna uplift you and praise you. He's praising the Lord for that, which, um, I don't know, as someone who struggles with uh, wanting the praise of men, um, I think this is really good perspective to just kind of keep in mind as we are praising our Father and as we are thanking him for what he is doing, we are thanking him, not thanking the person that we see the work in if that makes sense. Not that it's wrong to be like, hey, thank you for the way that you served and uh, did this, that, or the other. I I don't think that's wrong at all. But on top of that, (laughs) thanking God, and before that first primary, thanking God in that. And 
Brother Andy actually came to my uh, college Bible study this past week, and he brought out uh, a really good point that I liked that I kind of want to bring up at this point. Um, He said that kind of his goal at the end of a good sermon is not that you are like, hey, that was a good sermon, but hey, that's a good God, (laughs) you know? And it's that kind of idea. Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, like, Dr. Perkins did a great job with that. (laughs) Wesley did a great job with that. I want it ultimately to be turning back to him, like, thank God for what uh, I heard in the sermon this morning. So I really like that perspective that uh, Randy kind of brought up this past week. Um, Last kind of thing I want to talk about with this particular uh, verse is, again, it's thanking our Father, not just being thankful. I think there's a difference, like, culturally of, like, the state of just being thankful for things and thanking our Father for things. If I'm just being thankful, it's not really directed towards anybody or towards anything. It's just like, oh, I'm thankful that I passed the test, or I'm thankful that I got a job, or I'm thankful that, you know, my kids are doing well. You know, it's really just kind of a, a fancy way of saying, like, I appreciate this. I am happy about this. I am glad for that, you know, when it's just like general thankfulness and not like thanking our Father specifically for those things. I, I do think that that... Um, is something that we really need to kind of uh, bring out because sometimes, I'm not saying this is all the time, but sometimes when you're like, oh, I'm thankful that my kid did this or I'm thankful that this happened in my life, it can be, at least in our hearts, like a way of doing a humble brag of like, oh, look at me. Like, I'm thankful for like all these blessings in my life. Like, um, (laughs) you know, Um, Whereas when we're thanking our Father, it's more centered about humility rather than uplifting ourselves and what's going good in our lives. It's more about humility and thanking God for what he is doing in our lives, if that makes sense. And so just kind of want to bring that out as Paul like, is praying for these people. He's thanking God for what God is doing in uh, their lives. So those are some of the reasons why I think it's important to thank God, why Thanksgiving is such an important part of our prayer life. Um, But again, throughout Colossians, you see this idea, this importance of thanksgiving occur over and over and over again. Basically, it just repeats itself several times in Colossians. And so I think I have some of the uh, ways that it appears in Colossians with the specific scripture references up there. Um, So here in this particular passage, we're going to see the first two where it's important to thank God for his work and to thank God for the gospel, uh, both what he's currently doing and what he has previously done. Um, in chapter two, we kind of see uh, Paul talk about essentially how uh, thanking God is just a basic part of walking with him. Um, again, in uh, verses t- uh, six and seven of chapter two, Paul says, therefore, as you have uh, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. And basically he's like, just as you received Christ, so walk in him. And like part of walking in him that he describes there is thanking God. Like that is just a basic part of walking in faith that Paul um, is describing uh, in chapter two. Then in chapter three, um, towards the end, basically Uh, In chapter three, we really see Paul talk a lot about the importance of setting our mind on things above and not on things below, like really kind of dying to our old self, putting the new clothes on uh, the new self, and kind of he ends and summarizes that whole passage 
in verse 17 when he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I think sometimes we forget that last part of verse 17 um, because it's like a lot of times we just focus on that first part where it's like, hey, whatever you do in word or do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, but don't just do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it while th- giving thanks to the Father. Um, it's important to kind of like be thankful as we are doing the work. And one of the reasons why I think it's important for that is when you are doing ministry and serving people or loving others and uh, things like that, it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm doing this in Christ's name, but I kind of feel good about it, you know, like get that praise for myself, um, you know, lift myself up. Whereas giving thanks to God as you're doing it reminds you where it's coming from, who's giving you that strength to serve, who's giving you the finances to give, who's giving you the ability to feed others or show hospitality to love. You know, it's kind of reminding yourself that, hey, as you are doing it to the Lord, it is uh, from him ultimately. And then uh, in verse uh, two of chapter four, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so like, pretty much it's like, hey, you should constantly be praying, continue steadfastly in your prayer. Um, And as you are doing it, you should be watchful in your prayers with thanksgiving. It is just, again, that consistent part of how we pray. And that's something that I really love about um, at Calvary is we do a great job of like constantly praying and having times for intercession and time for thanksgiving in the midst of our services. And um, I think even on your Wednesday night services, which I've not been able to go to, but I was talking to Randy uh, about this the other day. He tries to, from my understanding, walk you kind of through the acts, the adoration, the thanksgiving, the confession, the supplication in the middle of those Wednesday night prayer services. And so it's great that these are a regular part of our diet here. So, um, cool. That's just from verse three. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the rest of the, the passage yet. But um, basically, why is Paul thanking God um, for the Colossian church? Why is he thanking God for these people he hasn't even met yet? Well, he can't help but explain himself. Like he spends the next uh, five verses or so explaining why he's thanking God for the Colossian church. So let's kind of look at that. So again, in verse four, we see that uh, kind of the primary reason he is thanking God for these Christians is because he's heard about their faith in Jesus, of the love that they have for the saints. And then in verse five, it says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So he's thanking God for their faith, their hope, and their love, right? And their faith and their love are rooted in their hope. Um, So, and Basically, he's heard about these things probably from uh, Epaphras because Epaphras, I believe, uh, was in prison with him at this time. So he's basically like, hey, like, I thank God for the way that you trust Jesus, the way that you are putting your faith in him throughout your daily life, the way that you love other Christians. And where is that love? Where is that faith rooted? And it's rooted in the hope that you have in heaven. Again, throughout the New Testament, I think I mentioned this in my last sermon, um, but throughout the New Testament, hope is such a vital part of how we find the strength, find the faith to like walk through the hardships of life. And so that hope um, 
is ultimately what is uh, the core, the foundation of their faith and love that he's describing. So, um, and as we know uh, from 1 Corinthians, faith, hope, and love are pretty, pretty important things. So, um, sweet. Uh, then he goes on to talk about where, he heard, where the Christians heard about their faith, where they heard about this hope in heaven. Um, he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Um, so he's like, okay, so where is all this coming from? But he, again, he just can't help but explain like the root, the source of his thanksgiving here. Um, so they heard about it in the gospel and going on to verse six, he says, the gospel has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. And so I think it's uh, really important to kind of point out here that uh, it's the gospel that is bearing fruit and increasing. It's not, you know, us that are bearing fruit and increasing. We aren't the ones who are helping the gospel spread, helping other people come to a saving faith in Christ, and um, it is ultimately the gospel itself, Christ working through it um, in his spirit, that is helping uh, the gospel spread, helping other people come to know him and believe in him. And so, um, again, the point that I want to bring out there is, I've already said it a couple times, it's God's work that he's thanking him for. It's not like, hey, way to bear fruit, way to like <laughs> share the gospel with people. It's like, thank God that the gospel is spreading among you as it is among the whole world. Um, and uh, something that I do like that he brings out here, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but is that he talks about the grace of God in truth. So it's kind of this mix of the gospel is both grace and truth that you have to understand. That is part of the good news. The truth being like we are sinners uh, and that we were in the kingdom of darkness. The grace being like he has delivered us out of it and loves us in that anyways. And so um, I just think that truth and grace are really important uh, to balance as we share the gospel because I think if we just focus on the truth, we tend to become kind of spiritual policemen and just be like, hey, like, <laughs> you're a sinner, you're a sinner, everybody's a sinner, like, you know, and there's no grace, there's no hope in it. And if it's all grace, we kind of become like spiritual grandmothers, like, oh, you can have your sin and love Jesus too, like, here's a cookie. Um, <laughs> you know, you need, you need both working together to see Jesus, where you have the truth of our sin and the grace of God uh, and forgiveness of our sins. So, um, yep, and then in verse seven, he says that they didn't just hear about the gospel, they learned about the gospel from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. And this is where that importance of good teaching comes into play, is it's, he taught them the gospel, they learned it from him. It wasn't just like he was out there speaking it and they just heard it, it's like he took the time to teach them about it. And I think that taking the time to teach others about it. That's part of the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission says, hey, go out uh, and teach everyone to obey the commands that I obeyed you, not just go out and tell others about the commands that I obeyed you, uh, that teach them to obey the commands that I have given you. Um, so again, I, it's really, I like that he's bringing that up here, uh, that they learned it from Epaphras, 
who is a faithful minister of Christ and has made known to us their love in the Spirit. So basically, like, that's all just like exposition to explain why he's thanking God and why he's praying for them. Um, because basically he's about to go on and start doing some uh, supplication uh, and intercession, but basically kind of to wrap this portion up, I think it's important as we pray for others to thank God for what he is doing in their lives, because that's ultimately what Paul is doing, is it's like, hey, like, thank you for the way that the gospel spreading among these people, thank you for the faith, the life, or the love and the hope that I see in these Christians, and uh, that is like a really important part of how we should pray for people. That's part of that biblical model we see here and throughout all of Paul's letters that he uh, prays for people in. And so let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about intercession. Um, and moving on to that next uh, passage. So uh, basically, he kind of kicks off the next, next part by saying, for this reason, uh, since the day we've heard it, we have not ceased praying for you. Um, well, that's, that's my... Uh, Another translation, the ESV says, and so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Um, both of them basically saying like, hey, all of what I just said, that's why I'm praying for you ceaselessly. <laughs> like um, what God's doing in your life, that's uh, ultimately what inspires me to keep praying for you. Because again, not only is it like, hey, like that's why I'm praying, but he's like, we have not ceased to pray for you. And I think that's pretty... Uh, important, pretty amazing that like he hasn't stopped praying for these people that he hasn't even met. Um, this church that he didn't help found that, um, and so like he's just constantly praying for these Christians. And I think that, I don't know about you, but I find that a little bit convicting. <laughs> I struggle to have a ma maintain a constant, consistent prayer life for other Christians that I do know that I do love, much less Christians that I don't know. Um, and have only heard about. And so what can we learn about the way that Paul is constantly and consistently praying for these Christians that he's not even met? Um, well, I think it's basically we're gonna look at how, he, how he's praying for them, and I think that is ultimately what's going to lead to that ability to have consistency. Because I think a lot of times in our modern churches, we tend to see prayer as more of a duty or an obligation than as like a privilege, something that like, hey, we get to pray for these people. Um, again, I do love how much we pray at Calvary, <laughs> and I love um, that a lot of us get to participate in that prayer during that intercessory time, but in many churches, it's definitely a duty or obligation, or in a small group, it's like, who wants to pray? <laughs> you know, just like, not me. I, uh... <laughs> and so, but I think part of that is we don't necessarily always know how to pray or what to pray for. And so like we want to look at how Paul's praying to understand like how we can pray. Like look at that biblical model because so much of our prayer today is focused on human comfort, on our sicknesses, on ailments and things that are going wrong in our lives, our difficulties. Um, and it's not necessarily focused on our walk, on the kingdom of God and what God wants us to do. Um, and a lot of that is because we don't usually spontaneously pray for people. It's usually rooted in like, hey, I heard this prayer request, so I'm going to pray for like that specifically. And usually prayer requests are like, hey, I'm struggling, you know. I'm dealing with loneliness or I'm dealing with this sin or I'm dealing with uh, this loss in my life. Um, and so ultimately, like 
our prayers are usually prompted by a prayer request and not necessarily spontaneity of prayer. And there's nothing wrong with that, with praying for people who are sick like we did earlier. Like uh, James talks about this in James uh, 4, uh, 13 and 14, where he says, "If is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And so we see even there in James, like kind of this mix of praying for good and bad things. Like if you're suffering, pray. Are you doing well? Praise the Lord. And so like that's why those acts, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication are so important because two of them, adoration and thanksgiving, are like, hey, like I'm praising God for who he is and what he's doing, the good things. And then confession and supplication, that's like, the hard things. And so it's this mix. And something I like to do in my Bible study at uh, the college is basically I like to start off with like praise reports, with like rejoicing with those who rejoice. And then I like to end with a prayer request, like weeping with those who weep. And so having both present is really important. And so kind of want to just bring that up uh, just contextually of like, hey, like, I think part of why we struggle to consistently pray for people is we don't necessarily know how to pray when we don't know what's going wrong in their life, <laughs> you know, because that's so much of what motivates our prayer, which is a good thing to pray for. Um, but uh, this is going to look at, basically, Paul doesn't know what's going on in their lives at all because he doesn't know them. So how can he pray for people he doesn't know, I think, is a good model for us. Okay. So kind of the first thing that we're going to see he prays for is for the uh, Colossians to know God's will. So um, this is kind of the first aspect, and there's going to be two aspects, like knowing God's will, and then the second part is living out God's will. And so uh, let's kind of talk about how he's praying for them to know God's will and what that means. So in verse 9, uh, again, he says, And so from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, so that. So what's going on in this particular passage? Well, again, like we have not ceased asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Um, and so... I think it's really important to understand what God's will is so that we can with confidence say, like, not my will, but your will be done, you know, as Jesus did in the garden. Um, and ultimately, it's like, hey, like, we want to understand God's will, and he says we want to understand God's will so as to blah, blah, blah. And we'll look at that. But, like, right now, like, why is he, like, what's the importance of knowing God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Well, what is God's will? <laughs> I think, uh, at least in my early walk, the fo overwhelming focus of Christians around me was focused on God's revealed, or his hidden will, not his revealed will. It was focused on like what God has hidden, his special will for our lives, not what he has revealed to us in scripture. And so, um, why do I want to make that distinction? Well, basically, that kind of not having that distinction, it was kind of incomplete theology that I had at the time. It was, and typically, incomplete theology, when you don't necessarily know all of it, it tends to create people who either struggle with shame or people who struggle with pride. 
Um, you're struggling with shame of like, oh, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Like, what am I doing? Like, am I listening to my will? Am I listening to the devil's will? Am I listening to God's will? Like, there's a lot of confusion and shame that can come from it over like, or I'm exactly where I need to be. Like, uh, you know, like, look at me. I'm walking out God's will, uh, even though uh, you may not be. <laughs> and you probably aren't if you are that prideful and <laughs> kind of looking like a peacock up there. Um, so, <laughs> um, so it's really important to have good theology about God's will because, again, it tends to create this shame. And when I first got here, I was touring several different churches in the area, and I went to one church. Um, it wasn't in Batesville. Uh, and basically, the sermon that day was like, oh, if you have doubts, then you aren't living out God's will for your life and you are in a place where God doesn't want you to be. And I was just like, uh, no, <laughs> that's not correct at all. Um, and so that's part of my motivation for talking about this is because basically, what, does God, what do we know about God's will? Well, it's this thing right here. Like the revealed will of God is this. This is how we can know we are following him and growing in him, growing in his likeness, is if we are following this, James and uh, even Matthew uh, both talk about the importance of like hearing God's will and doing it, uh, or hearing God's word and doing it. That is part of what it means to be uh, doing God's will, is to hear it and to do it. Not just to hear it and be like, oh, that was a great message I heard today, but to act on it, to do it. And so that is a huge part of understanding God's revealed will and focusing on that, because if you're focusing on the revealed will, he's sovereign over the hidden will, you know? Like, I don't think we have to, like, stress and pull our hair out and, like, let our heart turn white of, like, oh, who am I going to marry? Like, should I have three kids or four kids? Should I uh, take this job or should I move to that city or should I do this or that? Like, what's God's will for this? He's sovereign. <laughs> like, he is in control of it all. Um, and we can trust him that no matter what we do, he will work it for his good, or for his glory and our good. Um, and so, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it was, that was a big struggle for me for a lot of years, and it wasn't until I was, I heard a message that even talked about the revealed will of God. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that changes everything for me. So, uh, I hope that distinction helps. So, he's praying that they understand God's will, and again, I think he's talking about the revealed will, like understanding what it is God wants uh, Christians to do, how he wants us to live, because he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that. It's not just knowledge of God's will for the sake of it. It's not just like, hey, I know what he wants me to do, and I'm not gonna act on it. It's knowing what, I want, what he wants me to do and then applying it to my life. That's what wisdom is about. It's about that application, that next step in the process. And so why does he want them to understand God's will? so that they can live out God's will. And so that's kind of the next piece of it. Uh, he wants them to know it so that they can live it out. Um, and in verse 10, he starts to say, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Okay, let's just kind of stop there. What does he mean when he says that? He wants them to understand God's will so that they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Well, when, uh, from a Hebrew perspective, when he says walk, he's really meaning uh, to conduct one's life. So he's kind of essentially saying, 
He wants us to understand God's will so that we can lead to lives worthy of the Lord, lives that are pleasing to the Lord. And well, basically it's like, well, what does it mean to lead a life that's worthy of the Lord? <laughs> What's it mean to lead, uh, lead a life that pleases him? Well, he goes on to explain that. Um, and so we actually see kind of the first couple of things here where he says, um, part of what it means to lead a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him is to lead a life where we are bearing fruit in every good work. That's kind of the first piece, is bearing fruit in every good work. Um, And again, as we saw earlier, when he was thanking God for the work that God was doing, God is the one who bears the fruit. (laughs) He's not saying like, hey, I want you to go out there and make me an apple a day to keep that doctor away, (laughs) you know? Um, I don't want you to go out and make the fruit yourself but I'm praying that you understand the will of God so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and part of that means bearing fruit. And ultimately, that fruit comes from a relationship with the Lord. It's not us that bear the fruit. It is he that bears the fruit through us. Um, And so that is a really important piece. Another important piece that we see there is increasing in the knowledge of God And uh, again, when I was looking at some of the Greek for this, it's not just um, knowledge like head knowledge, but it's kind of relational knowledge or experiential knowledge. Uh, So he wants them to understand God's character, who he is, that relational aspect. So part of what it means to lead a life worthy of the Lord is to bear fruit, which ultimately comes from God, and to know who God is, know his character, be in relationship with him. And again, ultimately, that comes from God. We can't just like, uh, it, I sometimes have heard the analogy before of like, you know, the, we can't start a relationship with like the king of England. The king of England has to start a relationship with us because of that kind of power dynamic. And it's kind of the same thing. We, we can't like start that relationship with God. God has to start that relationship with us so that we can grow in that knowledge of who he is. Um, and so kind of in the next uh, verse, we see a little bit more about what it means to lead a life worthy of the Lord and one that pleases him. And it's to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Like part of what pleases the Lord is to be strengthened with his strength, with his power for, so that we can endure everything with patience and joy. Again, like that's part of what pleases the Lord is when we are dependent on him and not being independent, relying on ourselves. Um, especially in Western culture, we like to, in American culture in particular, has a tendency to be like, I'm independent. Like I don't need anybody. Like uh, I can just belly up to the bar and deal with it myself. Um, but we aren't independent. We are God-dependent creatures. And anytime we are trying to do things on our own, uh, usually doesn't go well, <laughs> um, at least if you're me. Um, it, it just isn't going to go well at all. And so it pleases the Lord when we rely on him. He doesn't see it as a burden when we are leaning on his strength. He sees it as something that uh, is worthy and pleases him. And again, why are we relying on his strength, not just to do our will, but so that we can endure uh, and have patience with joy. So like we can go through the hard things. We're relying on his strength for the good things and the hard things, the endurance of the hardships and the patience um, 
with joy. Like there is that joy aspect, like celebration of our relationship with the Lord that we can found, find even as we are enduring the hardships because we are relying on him, not like, hey, I'm going through hardships and it sucks. I've got nothing else <laughs> to give me solace. Um, so uh, kind of the last big thing that he says is part of a, a life that brings God jo- uh, pleasure is giving thanks to the Father, which we've already talked a lot about Thanksgiving. But uh, here he kind of transitions from giving thanks to like praise um, because, again, he says giving thanks to the Father, that's part of what it means to walk worthy. Um, and then he goes on to explain why are we giving thanks to the Father? We're giving thanks to the Father because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of, in the light um, because uh, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We give thanks because of the gospel. He took us out of the domain of darkness where we were living in sin, where we uh, were suffering, even if we thought we had it all together. Um, And he delivered us into uh, the kingdom of his son, uh, where we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So he's like, why are we giving thanks to the Father? The gospel, (laughs) like that is a beautiful thing. Um, And I think it's really important, like, again, several times throughout Colossians, multiple times, Paul brings up the gospel, and he shares that in several different ways. Here he's bringing up darkness versus light. Later on, he kind of brings up um, our rebellious nature. And in another analogy, he talks about kind of setting aside the legal demands of the cross. And... Why is it so important for Christians to constantly hear the gospel? (laughs) Like, why does he, again, these are Christians. He doesn't necessarily know them, but they're Christians. Like, why is he sharing the gospel with them so many times? Um, And why do I love the fact that we get to hear the gospel on a regular basis here at Calvary um, in the messages up here? Well, I think um, part of why we need to hear the gospel on a regular basis, is it, I mean, I've said it about a million times today, it reminds us who we're thankful to. Like, it's not me who saved me. Even even though I am the one who uh, placed my faith, even though there is real effort that I put into my walk with Christ, um, I'm not the one who instigated it all. He is the one who instigated it. He inspires the energy within me to be able to uh, walk and grow in sanctification and grow in Christ-likeness. Second um, Peter 1 talks a lot about how um, basically when we forget about the gospel, when we forget that we have been forgiven of our sins, we kind of stop growing in our faith. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've seen that in my own life. When I forget to reflect on the gospel and see that um, and really like appreciate who, what he's done for me, I tend to stagnate in my faith and I tend to like, you know, use, if I can use the term backslide and uh, fall into sin because I forget that I've been forgiven and that that is what inspires me to die to my sin, to repent from my sin and confess it to the Lord. So I, I love that we get to hear the gospel so much here. 
um, both in the, in the sermons, we get to see it a lot in baptism, and we get to taste it in the Lord's Supper. Like the, the gospel is kind of, uh, we get to experience it with several of our different senses here. Um, and so, ultimately, like to start kind of landing the plane today, uh, isn't it just amazing that, <laughs> that in order to lead a life that pleases God, a life that is worthy of the Lord, it's not dependent on my ability to follow him. Like what were all those things, and I tried to emphasize this, all those things he talked about that pleases the Lord that um, really uh, helps us to walk worthy, those are all from him. He is the one who bears fruit in our lives. He is the one that uh, strengthens us for endurance and patience with joy. He is the one that helps us to grow in the knowledge of God. And ultimately, he is the reason why I give thanks to him. <laughs> and so it's not dependent on my ability to uh, walk the walk or talk the talk. It's not, because if it was on me, uh, well, to quote Buzz Lightyear, I'm a sad, strange little man. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. So... Um, <laughs> Okay, so what are some applications from today's sermon? How, uh, what can we kind of take away from this prayer? Uh, well, I think one of the big things is to just reflect on this prayer, like consistently reflect on this prayer and other prayers in the Bible. One of the big prayers is the Lord's Prayer. Um, and something that I want to point out with the Lord's Prayer uh, that I think was an important part of this uh, too is that it's a corporate prayer. It's not an individual prayer. Like the Lord's Prayer is all about give us, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Uh, lead us not into temptation. Like it's us, ours. It's not me, mine's. Um, and so even just taking the time to reflect on the corporate nature of the Lord's Prayer of like how it's about all of us growing in faith together, not just me on my faith journey alone. Um, or like, uh, like I said, the beginning of pretty much all of Paul's letters start with a similar passage. So like Philippians 1, 3 through 12 is another beautiful prayer. Um, and something that I've done at uh, various times in my walk, especially if I don't know how to pray for someone, is I'll just take one of Paul's prayers and I'll just pray it kind of verbatim over people um, and just take it and just be like, hey, I pray that so-and-so grows in the knowledge of your will and spiritual uh, wisdom and understanding so that they can walk in a manner worthy of you. You know, just taking these prayers and praying it over people, especially if you don't know how to pray. Um, and letting this be the model for how we pray for people when we don't know if things are going wrong or things are going great in our lives. And to be honest, it's usually always a mix. We always have something that's going well and we always have something that could be going better. Um, and so thanking uh, God for how he is working in the lives of others, praying for others to know God's will and to live out God's will in a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So um, I hope that this message was edifying to you. Uh, let me go ahead and close us in some prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for what you've been doing in my life and in the life of everyone here at Calvary and in the life of the college students uh, at Lyon. Um, thank you for the way that you 
um, are bearing fruit. Thank you for the way that you are leading us into a fuller, richer understanding of who you are and what it means to follow you. I ask that you just be with each and every one of us as we go throughout our weeks. Help us to um, just pray more to uh, thank you as we pray to you to ask you to intercede and help us to grow closer to you. Help us to deal with the hardships in life. Help us to confess our sins. Help us to praise you more um, and help us to ultimately just uh, thank you for all that you do. In your name I pray, amen. I invite you to stand. As we have our time of response, if you're here this morning and you want to confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, if you want to come forth for membership, if you want to come forth and confess your faith in baptism, then this is a time to do that. We invite you to come to the front where we will pray with you or whatever it is we need to do. I pray you join with us as we sing this wonderful old hymn, Just As I Am. Let's sing together. Mm -hmm.